this is going to be a really good word. This is going to encourage you. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 3, talking about the devil, but it's going to get better from there. All right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? You see two main temptation accounts in the Bible. You see Adam and Eve in the garden, and you see Jesus in the desert. One of the, uh, the main temptation with um, Adam and Eve was, has God said? The main uh, temptation uh, in, the, in the desert was, um, who do you think you are? <laughs> are you really the son of God? So I really want, I want to take this week, I, maybe we'll look at the other one next week, but um, the question that God, you know, the questions about your identity and the question about God's trustworthiness, pretty much all of your temptations are going to fall into one of those two things there. So today I want to look at that first temptation. Let me read it again, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? I realize there was a temptation to partake of the fruit. But in order for them to partake of the fruit, they first had to be deceived and distrust God. I mean, it was really clear. God was like, Hey, you can eat of any tree except this one. And so uh, in order for them to eat the tree, they they had to doubt what God said. They did not believe. I mean, it was such a clear thing. Deception does not come to you with a name tag and be like, hey, I'm deception. I know, I know you've heard bad things about me, but um, I'm really not bad of a guy. And what I'd like to do is I'd like for you to believe this lie so that I can drag you away and, you know, and fog up your lens. And No, no, he doesn't come to you like that. You guys remember the movie Inception? Anyone see this movie? Does anyone understand this movie that could explain it to me? Anyway, um, one, of the, one, of the, 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 one of the premise of the, of the movie was were they able to plant a thought in somebody's mind and make them think that it was their own thought? Okay? This is how the enemy works. He doesn't come up to you, you know, like pitchfork and, you know, he doesn't do all that stuff. He comes to you and makes you feel like these are actually your own thoughts. Like you yourself are doubting God. You're the one. So um, you know, God has a real clear promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And you've got this thought that comes, I, I can't feel God's presence. I think he's left me. You know what that's called? A lie. But you begin to partner with it, and you say, man. So you call your friends, and your friends, you're like, I, I just can't feel God's presence. I feel like he's left me. In the name of Jesus, I just command this, 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 this to stop any blockades, and they, they begin to command, you know, thank you, I feel better. And then the thought comes, he's left you. You're not worthy. Oh, man, it didn't work. You know why? Because no one can renew your mind for you. I don't care how many Shabbas in the name of Jesus and trumpet shouts and all these type of things like you need to renew your mind you need there there has to be a common time where you actually grab hold of the promise of god and ride that thing until it becomes your own your new nature does not see god did not come to forgive you there we go god did not come to other realms are apparently speaking into this thing this is this is amazing Jesus did not come to forgive you of your sins. That, that, is much, that comes after what he came to do. Here's what he actually came to do. He came to kill you. Wow. I thought this was good news. So you inherited a disease from Adam called the sin, sinful nature. And so that it is your nature to in sin and you indulged in it. You, you, you inherited this thing. And God came to kill that old nature... I just saw somebody on Facebook today. You've got a sinful nature. I'm like, no, no. If you're born again, you do not have a sinful nature. The old man died, dead, death, buried, burned the ashes, 
I mean, it's not like that old guy is gone. And you are joined to Jesus, and now you have a new life. You have this new hybrid where God lives on the inside of you, and you have strength from another realm. You have access to unlimited the power of heaven. All of heaven's resources are at your disposal. That's Ephesians 1.3. We spent several weeks looking at that. So the thing, the valve between you and that life is your mind. And so the enemy is going to come, and he's going to give you these thoughts, and he's going to make you feel as if those are your thoughts. You're going to go, oh, no, God's left me. He's done this and that. What's the Bible say? Resist the devil. What would be a good way to resist the devil? You know what? I'm not feeling something right now, but I know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. What's that called? Faith. The gap between feelings and feeling it is called faith. (laughs) Well, Jim, it just doesn't feel true. Yeah, it's because you're in this thing called faith right now. (laughs) Colossians 1.17, and Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. The molecules of your chair, your body would completely disintegrate apart if it wasn't for the word of God holding these things together. Listen to Hebrews 1.3. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Literally, this universe that is held together by the word of God. What, ha- what, is, what keeps those atoms, those electrons circling the nucleus? It's the word of God. It's Jesus that's holding those things together. The molecules in your chair, the orbits of the solar systems. You know, there's, there's not just like um, billions of stars. There's billions of galaxies. When Jesus said, let there be light, he never stopped. And the scientists tell us the galaxies are still expanding at the speed of light. Each one has their own orbits. They found one, uh, one planet that has, um, it's raining ice sideways. How is this happening? By the word of God. Literally, the universe is held together by his word. And by the way, he's not breaking a sweat. Whether it's a molecular level or a galactic level, he's up there. He's got all this stuff. And so if the word of God is holding it together, when you do not embrace the word of God, it enters, you enter into chaos in your life. When there's a forsaking of the word of God, which binds things together, when you reject it, it begins to be chaos in your life. The word of God is the glue that holds everything together in this world and the next. Our bodies, this building, this universe. You have to understand, the word of God is what holds it together. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever thought you've heard something from God? Whether you've got a prophetic word, you had a thought, you got something in there. Anyone ever had that happen? Yep. Maybe it was a message at a conference. Um, maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was the scriptures. Maybe it was even a preacher, dare I say. Are you forget <clears throat> So, Okay. So you, you feel like you've heard it. Now, how many of you had a time where it came in and you began to rationalize that, you know what, maybe that was just me? It's like, you know, you, 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 maybe, you know maybe I was just kind of in this emotional state and I was more open to believing stuff, but now that I'm kind of down here in real life, away from kind of that environment, you know, it's, it's, I mean, has anyone else had that happen where you just begin to kind of rationalize away the word of God? Okay. What are you doing? Um, you're struggling with, has God said? Has God said? I mean, the struggle's real. Most of us are religious enough that we're not going to say God is a liar. But the enemy is going to come, and he's not going to say, God wouldn't say that. It's going to be, God wouldn't say that to you. Oh, yeah, 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 that, that, that's, in the, that's in the Bible, but we both know that that's not really true for you. See how subtle it is? What's the enemy doing? It's the same lie. Has God really said that to you? Well, I don't, we, we don't doubt that God could say that to Billy Graham or somebody amazing, but has God really said that to you? 
What the enemy wants to do is he wants to ruin your mountaintop experiences. That's just a word because, you know, you're caught up into worship and, you know, it's, hey, it's, you're only human. And there's this great story in the Bible. Moses, he's building the tabernacle. He goes up onto the mountaintop and he uses this phrase over and over again. Moses built according to the pattern that he received on the mountaintop. Then he goes down from the mountaintop, and um, what's he see? He sees all the people that he's leading. They are now worshiping a, uh, a statue of a calf made out of gold. Uh, I, like, what? I, I love, um, I mean, there's nothing like having a mountaintop experience and coming down to family problems, right? <laughs> Remember his, uh, his relative Aaron, his Aaron's like, hey, we just threw in the gold and a, and, and a calf walked out. It's like, yeah, okay. We got that one. I mean, days earlier, they are fanatics worshiping God. He goes up on the mountaintop. I mean, it would be so easy for him to go, you know what? Maybe I just imagine it because it's obviously not working in this realm down here. But it says that he built everything according to the pattern that he saw in the mountaintop. Listen, everyone in here has had God speak to them at some point. God is always speaking. It doesn't, he said, my sheep hear my voice. It doesn't mean you always recognize it. God is speaking to you through friends, through media, through songs, through nature, just through coincidences. Just, you know, we've done whole sermons on how God speaks. He may speak to you in a dream, a vision, uh, a Bible verse. And there's a great excitement that comes in receiving that. And you're excited, it feels fresh, but then the enemy is going to come in and he's going to try to douse that thing. He wants to undermine your destiny by getting you to be mediocre. You know what a mediocre Christian is? Someone who receives the word with gladness but then the enemy can come and snatch it away. Oh, man, it's probably just me. Oh, I'm just kind of busy. I don't really have time to, to really meditate on that word. And The mountaintop is where you see things that you don't have the nerve to see when you're in the valley. The mountaintop is where you hear things that you wouldn't have the courage to dream about in the valley. There is nobody who is going to protect God's word over your life other than you. Even well-meaning people in your life are going to come up and say, has God really said that? Are you sure that was God? Because that sounds impossible. You have to understand, for God, there's not like impossible and possible. The only realm he exists in is possible. You know, like he's not like, oh, man. Okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to power up for this one. Ah. Yes, that was a reference to Goku. For you Dragon Ball Z fans, but yeah. Mary thinks that Goku is striving in those cartoons, but I just feel like, I don't know, I just love love it. So I can't make the word of the Lord happen in my life, and I cannot force it to come about. But what I can do is it can come into my life like a seed, and I can begin to steward those things. And in this process, I'm changing to become the kind of person who can carry out that word. God doesn't just give you information when his word comes in your life. He actually makes you to become that word. Paul says you are living epistles. Mark chapter 4. Uh, in, uh, there's, a, there's a parable. There's a seed. It's the word of God. And he says there's this farmer. He goes and he sows the seed. And he says he goes and he takes a nap. He goes to bed. He says while he's sleeping, first comes the shoot, the grain, the head of wheat, and then the harvest. Here's the, here's the point of that story. The pressure's off. You don't have to make it happen. Scientists cannot explain what happens when a seed goes into the ground. What, how is this life force released that this thing can turn into a tree? It can turn into a bush. It can turn into all these different things. They can't explain it. It's supernatural. You and I do not have to figure out how the seed goes from this to this. Our part is to receive the word of God with gladness, but then to hover over that word. 
to water that soil, to keep that seed in the thing, to keep it in our hearts, to keep it in our minds, to keep it before us. When we try to make it happen, we wind up with Ishmael's, which is copy of a promise done in our own strength. You don't have to make, I've had people like, you know, like God will give you a vision and it's like, hey, what are you doing to make it happen? Um, I don't know how to have a strategy to make impossible things happen. That's where it gets tricky of walking it out with God. Like, what do I need to do during this thing? One of the main things you need to do is you need to guard that word. Because the enemy is going to try to get you to be mediocre and just be weary of well-doing. And it's just like a marriage. You have to protect it and you have to guard it. You can't just assume, hey, we said I love you and things are just going to be amazing even though we're busy. We're not taking time for each other. We're not nurturing it. We're not being, you see what I'm saying? Like, in a marriage, you've got to nurture that thing for it to work well. For those of you who didn't know that, you might want to take note of that one. (laughs) Nobody else has the responsibility to protect that word over your life. Has God said is going to come knocking at your door on a regular basis. You know what? I don't even need the devil to come knocking at the door because I can do it all by myself. I can begin to doubt and try to figure this thing out and try to strive in my own human energies rather than do what God does. Is he, uh, and when he created in Genesis, he hovered over the chaos with his Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do in the chaos of your life. You need to hover over those situations with the Holy Spirit and bring order out of disorder. Can I just give you a, a Chinese fortune cookie that's going to be really good for you? Do not subject God's word to your emotions during a period of disappointment. So many people, they make important, life-changing decisions about what God said during a time of loss or disappointment. You are a guardian over that thing that God has entrusted uniquely to you. The same word that sustains the universe, that holds all things together, is the same word that has come into your life that you need to guard and protect like a seed. Listen, if God said it, you, had, you better start treasuring it and remembering it. I'm talking about write it down on three by five cards. Listen, this is a season to get out your old prophetic words, to get out those recordings on the phone from the ministry teams, begin to write them down, to begin to highlight them, begin to pray over them, begin to hover over them. Again, some people, if they've hovered over something for a month and it hasn't happened, they think it's been a lifetime. I told you, God makes overnight successes in 10 to 20 years. I know that doesn't sound American, but microwave Christianity produces biodegradable Christians. They fall apart easy. Type them out. Write them in a journal. Listen to them on a recorder. Mary and I, we had a four and a half hour drive home yesterday, and we began to listen to prophetic words over our life in the car. Listening to those things. Turn them into declarations. This is the season to get out those prophetic words and promises and treasure them and keep them before you. Take them with you wherever you go. Listen, like, I can't make you do this, but this isn't like a kind suggestion. Like, hey, um, you know, you might want to, like, you know, try eating more vegetables. You know, it will probably help you out. And You're going to need this in the next season of life. These words that God has come to you, don't become a mediocre. Don't just set them aside. Yeah, I'm talking to you. If hearing God is important to you, then you have to protect what God has given you. And doing that will attract more of God speaking into your life. Well, Jim, I used to hear God's voice a whole bunch, but I just don't hear it anymore. Well, when you don't honor what he's already done, he's not going to give you a whole bunch of new information. 
If God knows that there is someone who will steward what he has to say, then he will pour more of it into your life. Revelation stewarded well attracts more revelation, attracts more revelation, attracts more revelation. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's an active, ongoing, living word that brings life and enables us to not barely make it. I've tried the barely making it thing, and it's overrated. Abundance is way more fun. Here's the pattern of your life. God says he has made you to be more than a conqueror, not those who barely make it. Here's more than a conqueror. I heard a friend of mine give this illustration. So imagine a world heavyweight champion. He's trained most of his life, endless hours of sparring, getting punched in the face, of you know, training, skipping ropes, speed bags, dieting, weightlifting, all these type of things. And it's championship day. He goes, he faces this contender who's prepared uh, again, knocks the contender out. You know, he's a little bit bruised. He's a little bit battered for the, for the wear, but he wins the championship fight. He is a conqueror. He now wins the $50 million purse for the world champion, heavyweight championship. Um, he is a conqueror. When his wife takes the credit card and goes, spends the winnings, she is more than a conqueror. Jesus was the conqueror. He went and kicked the devil's butt. He's the one who took the scars, the stripes on his back, the crown of thorns on his head, stripped naked, humiliated, all that stuff. He's the one who went and did the battle, who lived a perfect life for 33 years. He did all of that. And then he says, you are now my bride. You are my wife. Here's the keys of the kingdom. Go spend your inheritance that you did nothing to raise a finger for. If you get nothing else out of that, just today, just let that wash over your heart, man. God talks to you. What are you doing with what he says? Oh, man, I got this really cool prophetic word at this conference. It was really great. Awesome. What are you doing with that? I went through kind of a feisty season about two years ago where people would come and ask me for a prophetic word, and I would give them this answer. Um, Here's your prophetic word. Um, Do something with the last 10 prophetic words you received. Saith the Lord. That's my word for your life today. Do something with the last 10 prophetic words over your life. What does doing something mean? It means getting them out, writing them on cards, listening to them, talking about them with friends, talking about them with family, praying over them, hovering over them, creating an expectation. So God, who do I need to become that guy? Mary and I received some words this this weekend, some prophetic words, and my prayer was like, 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 I feel so far away from those things. I mean, none of the prophetic words of your life are like possible. It's like, you know, hey, thou shalt walk across the street. Like, like, I can do that. Your prophetic words are, it's an invitation to become the kind of person that God sees in your future. God's coming to you with a picture of you in the future, into your present, to encourage you to endure the pain and the process of becoming the person that he already knows you can be. That's what prophetic words are in your life. So we need to keep the picture of your future you in front of you on note cards and tapes. We don't have tapes anymore. Whatever. You know what I mean. I miss tapes. I think we should just go back to tapes. I could pull them out and screw them back in with a little thing. It was awesome. Everyone I know and love will affirm the word of God in my life, but I'm the only one that can protect it. I've got some good news for you. 
God loves you so much that he's going to give you a word and then he's going to test that word. Every word must be tested so you can see the strength of that word. So Jesus tells a parable earlier in Mark 4. Again, the word of God is like a seed. It goes into different types of soil. Each soil has a different type of response. Listen to Mark chapter 4, 16. Uh, this, is the, the, this is the interpretation of the soil that was a rocky place. Others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word of God and at once receive it with joy. This is amazing. God just spoke this to me. I just had this dream. I just got this prophetic word. I just got this scripture promise. I felt like this is a life verse. They receive it with joy, but they themselves have no root, and they remain for only a season. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, do you understand? Any revelation God gives you is going to attract opposition. Hold on, I just got this promise. Why are things the exact opposite of this promise? Because he wants you to understand the strength of the word by experience, not only by theory. Prophetic words, promises that come into your life that are not tested are more like theories than they are promises. And you can't live by theory. Man shall not live by theory alone. Every word must be tested so you can see the strength of that word. Imagine if I said, you know what, hey, you, uh, I, I'm now giving you a super suit. This super suit can protect you from missiles, from ninjas, and from White Castle hamburgers. Like, like which, uh, not necessarily in that order of danger, if, if you know what I mean. You would not understand the strength of that super suit until the missiles began to bounce off your chest and did nothing. Until the nunchucks tickled from the ninjas. Until you ate a White Castle hamburger and you weren't doubled over in cramps in five minutes. You would not understand the strength of it until it was tested. In the same way, you will not know the strength of the promise of God until you're put in exactly the opposite circumstance of that promise. And the enemy's going to come and say, has God said? I mean, if this healing thing works, how come you're having symptoms of sickness? Well, hold on, the moment you started giving and going after generosity, how come the car breaks down and all these things happen? What's happening? Persecution's coming because of the word. Are you going to stand? Anyone can stand when everything's going amazing. That's not called faith, that's called sight. The reason God is bringing you this promise and this word is because you're going to need it to become that person in the future. I've used this illustration before, but God's promises are this, this the same as the prophetic words. God is on the other side of your breakthrough in the future, and he's coming to you with the nourishment and ingredients you're going to need to overcome that obstacle to get to the place where he already sees you. So he's giving you words. He's giving you promises. Scriptures are leaping off of the pages, and it's no one else can steward these things but us. I remember standing over a... Um, a lady's bed in a hospital, and I believe I heard the Lord say, uh, she will live and not die. And so I declare, she will live and not die. And she passed away. Mistakes are part of learning. So here's what some charismatics do. is It's like, oh, if I miss God on that, well, then maybe I've just missed God. Maybe I can't hear God at all. Maybe I've never heard God. Listen, guys, don't get into that trap. Don't start making like life declarations of yourself in a moment of disappointment. Mistakes are part of learning. We're going to miss it. We're going to... We're going to Fail forward. Part of what keeps us from arrogance is that we try and fail. The most arrogant people I've met in the kingdom are those who don't try and they criticize others for failing. 
You want to be humble? Walk with God and take some risk. It's, it's going to keep you humble. Want to be arrogant? Just criticize everyone else who's trying. Well, they got it wrong on this point. They missed it on this point. Thank you, Dr. Pharisee. We appreciate your discouragement. It doesn't take a prophet to say, look at these dry bones. It takes a prophet to say, can these dry bones live? There's giants in the land, yea, that I say. That's not prophetic. These giants will become our bread. That's prophetic. Remember, the hardest test of this for our family, um, I grew up in, a, in a, an environment where uh, healing was taught in the churches, but it wasn't really seen. There would maybe be an occasional evangelist that would come through that had some healing happening, but it never was a message sent that you know, we could actually see healing. Um, we did have healing in our family. I, I would hear stories of my great-grandfather, Jasper Philo Reed. We're thankful I wasn't named after him. And, uh, and then my, um, my uh, great-grandmother, she, would have, she was a seer. She would have visions. So I, I would hear these stories, but it never was really in our life. And so uh, as you guys know, we just really went after healing. And uh, when we got to Zion here in 2008, uh, it was just like our quest with Zion's passion and prophetic. It just, man, it just was a great marriage. And God just started doing things in a lot of people's lives. And uh, healing was working for lots of people. It was just a wonderful time. In uh, May 2009, uh, my sister passes away from breast cancer. It was, just, it, was, it was just one of the darkest hours of her life. And um, I tell you what, I, I remember we were sleeping in the basement of her house, Mary and I, where they had a bedroom down there. And it was, boy, the enemy came. And it was like, you need to stop going after this stuff. It's obviously not working. This is getting embarrassing. And it was just one of those has God said moments. And man, I, uh, I was disappointed. I was hurting. I, uh, my emotions were raw. We tried to raise her from the dead. I was feeling a lot of pressure from the family to be the one who did it. And it, and it didn't work. And so um, there was a moment there where I just gave up before the Lord. I was like, God, I can't make this happen. And he just began to remind me of the times that did work. Began to remind me of the prophetic words over my life. I tell you what, if I hadn't have feasted on those things, I don't know, I don't know the trajectory of my life where I've gone. And so as a result of that, I ended up teaching on healing at her funeral. Um, my first Sunday back here at Zion, I look at some faces and I see some of you guys were there. It was one of the, just the most tender times. It was a congregation that literally became our family and grieved with us. It was just a, a precious time, but there was also, you could just feel a heart's cry of, hey, are we still going to go for it? And, uh, and we did. And um, I'm so proud to be a part of a church where um, the promises of God, we, we, just because you fall short, there's no shame in giving it your best shot and missing it, gang. The shame is when you begin to point the finger in God's face and say, you did this. Okay, st- all of God's promises are yes and amen. He has nothing but a big fat yes and amen over your life. And we're not, none of us are going to fulfill every dream in God's heart for us. And so um, just take the pressure off yourself. When we fail, it's okay. But um, don't turn it into a new theology of God is making me miserable. Has God said... James Maloney gave this word of the church uh, about three years later. No one in this church will be sick. Then no one in the city, not just in hospitals. That's a promise that somebody needs to feast on. 
James Maloney's a prophet. He'll be back here. Uh, he'll be here in another year. Um, no one in this church will be sick. Well, that, that sounds like a great place to start. Someone's got to contend for that. Then no one in the city, not just in hospitals. I had this come up to me, Isaiah 33, 24. No one in Zion will say, I am sick, for the Lord has forgiven their iniquities. Now, I know it wasn't written to us, but you guys know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was written to us. <laughs> Every time I see Zion and it's something good, I'm like, yes. So glad we weren't named First Christian Church, because that's not in the Bible, but Zion's all over. I'm glad we weren't named Sinai. That would have been. A lot of bad stuff happened at Sinai. The point is, is you have this word, you're guarding this word. Let me use this phrase. You're a prisoner of promise. This promise is literally, you're, you're being dragged forward into your future. God, it doesn't matter what I see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. What matters is what you say about me. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved by your word. That's what I'm moved by. One of my favorite passages when I was in college was uh, Romans 3. Actually, I got it written down wrong. I think it's Romans 2, 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let me just speak this over you as we close out here. Those of you facing impossible situations in your business, let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you are facing hopeless situations in your body. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you battled addiction and the lies that you'll never be free. Let God be true and every man a liar. God's told some of you about your destiny to shake cities and influence and you just feel stuck. It's never gonna happen. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of you are married, you wanna have a baby, you're, you're, you have a relationship situation that's just hopeless. Let God be true and every man a liar. Some of your finances are a disaster. Let God be true and every man a liar. There has to become a time where you just trust God. You don't make up excuses. You don't try to invent things. It's just he said it. And it's, it's the words of uh, Jesus' mother, Mary. Uh, Be it unto me just as you have spoken it. You know what that's called? Childlike faith. Every word will be tested so you know the strength of that word. But God is coming to you from your future with information to get you to your breakthrough. And my challenge to you is treasure that word. Jealously guard that word. Write it down. Say it out loud. Listen to it in the car. Declare it. Get together as a family and look at the promises over the kids' lives. Look at the promises over your life. Get a t-shirt made if you have to. <laughs> but let God be true and every man a liar. You guys stand for closing prayer? So, sorry, this mic, hopefully you can bear with me, or since Jason Upton, our sound is um, getting back to <laughs> functioning, so, um, so just as Jim was given this message today, I just kind of want to encourage you guys, do you guys remember the building that we talked about that we wanted, it was across the street from the state house? Yeah. We called it the Normandy building. Yeah, the Normandy building, Normandy project is kind of what we were calling it. Well, so then they went with another offer. Do you remember that? Remember we so. sowed a seed believing God had given us this thing, 
Yeah. Yeah, so um, just last week, like a few days ago, our realtor called us and he's like, hey, the building's up for sale again, the deal fell through, and they're interested in working with you. So good. Is that awesome? So what I wanted to say with that is, a few years ago, um, some of you guys know this because I've shared this about partnering with Disappointment and how it shut me down for a whole year. I felt like this was such a test for my heart because we had so many prophetic words around this building like too many for it not to be ours like it was kind of weird actually when we when they went with another offer we're like that doesn't even compute you know what i mean and so um so i felt like in that moment i had the opportunity to partner with disappointment was i going to be like oh it didn't happen well i guess like we're we like didn't hear stuff like i had that opportunity but i didn't take it we didn't take it the staff didn't take it we're like you know what God said it, and if it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow. You know what I mean? If it's not today, maybe it's in 10 years when they've already fixed up the building. We don't have to pay for it. <laughs> if you remember, but, we um, actually stood up here, and we, we just talked about that. And I think it was Sean just had a great word about that. You know, he just really, he was like, hey, I don't care if it takes five or 10 years. Maybe someone else would do it, but we're, this building's ours. And it was like, yes. it is. And so it's, it's been really fun just to stand on it. And so just as I walk the dog in the morning, sometimes I'll just pray and I'll just say, because this isn't some vanity project. We weren't like, hey, let's build a building, or, you know, let's get a building. I mean, God came to Mary in a, was it, whatever, a vision picture where she saw this uh, row of windows overlooking the state house, saw herself releasing worship, displacing principalities, and doing all this fun stuff in there, people um, falling on their faces under the power of God. And, and then uh, another uh, one of our intercessors, Linda, had a, she came up and she said, hey, Mary, um, I had this uh, vision. In this vision, there was a row of windows, and it was overlooking the state house. And I saw you releasing worship, and it was this and that. Began to get all these other words. We ran it by our apostolic overseers, and like we feel like this is God. And so um, the word I had was that what God has begun by the Spirit, don't finish in the flesh. We got to figure out how we're going to do this and this and this. And um, and so here we are again. This is, the building is going to be used to release worship and to have housing for girls coming out of human trafficking. And that, that's what the, the top two floors are going to be about. There's a mezzanine level where it's a perfect um, opportunity to have girls start businesses and begin to build their resumes and, and work in jobs and, and build their incomes and just, and just train them. And so it's just an amazing foothold into the city. And so it's just awesome that we didn't partner with Disappointment. We've been watering that seed. And then Thursday we get a call and it was like, OMG. So I just, I want to encourage that with you guys today, you know, as I know everybody has had a word over their life yeah. or something that God has told them or something you see in the future. And maybe it's the enemy has tried to snatch it and you're like, oh, and you just partner with disappointment. And it's just like, so anyway, I just want to encourage you, like, believe God's best, believe him at his word. And he does it. I mean, the timing, our timing sometimes might be off, but his timing is never off. So here, let's uh, just put your hand in your heart. Let's just make some declarations. I will not partner with disappointment. I will not, I will not lower God's promises to what's possible in my own efforts. I will not lower God's promises to mediocrity. I'm not, my, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved by the word of God. It will not return void. It will produce a multiplied harvest in my life. 
Lord, may it be unto us according to your word. God, we give up. <laughs> you have wrestled us to the ground with your love. You have pinned us in your coming with a big smooch. <laughs> a Jesus smooch, Jesus mooch, whatever you want to say. And we just say, yes, Lord. We surrender. We give up. You got us. <laughs> have your way with us. We love you, Jesus. Lord, I break off disappointment. I break off depression. I break off discouragement. I break off small thinking. I break off thinking about what's only possible in human strength. And I just release permission to dream. How many in here, you're feeling a tug on your heart to start a business, a side business, some type of side hustle? There's something just, just kind of stirring in your heart. It's, uh, maybe it's been there a while. Maybe it's something new. Could you just raise your hand? I wish you guys would look around the room. Yeah. God told me entrepreneurship is going to explode in this church. Okay? So keep your hands up. Lay hands on the, uh, the ones who have their hands up. Lord, we speak nothing but increase. We speak courage to slay giants. We pray, pray for mentors. We pray for networking. We pray for strategies. We pray for next steps. Lord, I just thank you that you have been building something inside of them for years and years and years. Guys, these business ideas are not birthed out of your imaginations. They're birthed out of the heart of God to solve a problem in this world. So I just declare that they are created to create. They're designed to be a designer. They're shaped to be a shaper. They're made to be a maker. It's in your DNA to solve problems, to provide solutions. Lord, I just thank you that there's answers to city problems in this room. There's inventions in this room. There are businesses in this room that will fund kingdom projects, that will end poverty in regions, that will leave an uh, inheritance to generations. Thank you, Lord. Now, for those of you who didn't have your hand up, raise your hand. Everyone who had your hand up, lay hands on them. You're like, Jim, this is a dirty trick. <laughs> Lord, let the dream of God. Listen, I don't, I don't believe everyone is supposed to have a business. I just believe everyone's supposed to have a business, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're in this house for a reason. It's going to jump on you. In the name of Jesus. I'm just kidding. Everyone doesn't have to have a business. But Lord, I just thank you that, Lord, you're going to put them right where they're at. They're not going to feel less than because they're not an entrepreneur, but Lord, you've got wealth, you've got ideas, you've got creativity, you've got multiplication, you've got abundance on your heart for them. So Lord, I pray for dreams in the night. I pray for ideas as they're driving down the road that just seem way too big for them to do in their own strength. Lord, I pray for wherever, wherever they're at, their vocation, their season in life, Lord, they're going to have uh, solutions for grandchildren, they're going to have solutions for their job. So we just bless them, God, with the, with the creativity that you've put inside of them for their season of life and for their position in life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give up. All of you guys, just, we give up. Have your way with me. <laughs> your ways with me is better than my way with me. I want your ways, Lord. That just feels good. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys, I, I was teasing about everyone having to have a business. I was teasing about that. So, sort of. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Here, here is the truth. You keep coming here, you will be debt-free, you will own your own house, and you will leave an inheritance to your children's children. That is the, that is the destiny of this house. So however that comes, it will come. Ministry teams, come.